Hi, and welcome to the River of Light Assembly of God podcast. We are so glad you joined us. Our prayer is that today's message will impact your life in a positive way. We believe there is power in the Word of God. So open your heart and allow the Holy Spirit to speak to you today. The life of a disciple. I'm also going to be in Acts chapter uh, 19, but those will be on the screen today. I just want to look at something here. The life of a disciple, Mark chapter 3. This is when Jesus calls his disciples to himself uh, and he starts his ministry that would eventually change the world. So this is one of the biggest nights of his earthly ministry other than going to the cross. And he spends it all night praying. How many know that it's important when you make major decisions that you pray? You continually pray continually keep it up before God in prayer. He will show us what he wants us to do. So that's what is happening here. And in this scripture, God just kind of gave me two things about a disciple, what it means to be a disciple. Now we've been talking about it and we're going to look at it again today. Chapter three of Mark. I always preach out of the new King James for those that may be wondering uh, I use different translations up on the screen, but I prefer the New King James. That's what I use. And it says, and he went up on the mountain and he called to him the appointed 12, number one, so that they might be with him. And number two, that he might send them out. Everybody see that? These are the two reasons why he had disciples. Number one, that they might be with him. Number two, that he may send them out. To preach and to have power. Everybody say that word power. You need to know that word. I'm going to talk about that word today. Power. And he gave them power to heal and to cast out demons and to do the work of the ministry. So last week we talked about being with him. This week I want to talk to you about becoming like him. Becoming like Jesus. Father, thank you for your word today. I pray your anointing would be upon our word today, our time together. Remind us of some truths, God, that we have heard. Show us some new ones, Lord, we do not yet know. I pray your spirit would be here in power, God, and let us realize the authority that we have in your name. And everyone will agree with that. Say amen. In Jesus' name, amen. Becoming like him. Before, there's really three things, thank you Pastor Steve about the the worship, Uh, there's three things about a disciple being with him, being made like, when we're with him we become like him and then he sends us out to work for him. And so the key is to be with him. How many know that when you hang around somebody you begin to act like them? How many got kids? How many know you can tell if your kid's been hanging around certain people by the way they act? Come on somebody. You don't even, they can just walk in the room and they just got that look on their face. I had a friend that mama knew when I would be with them. We were even forbidden to hang around each other. And uh, because, good kid, I was a good kid, but together one was fire, the other one was gasoline. Come on, somebody. Fire and gas, seriously. I remember one time mom forbid me to hang around with him. And so what kids do, they always not obey their parents. Anyway, we, uh, we had this plan to hook up at the, ice, at the Muni, at the ice arena, in course. 
and we were all hanging out there and and we're getting together and the news media, the news was there recording a story because they were shutting the Muni, the, the Muni down. And we were like, whoa, look, Channel 4 News. And we ran over and we're up there and, and she goes, oh, here's some local kids in the neighborhood. Kids, are you sad that they're closing the Muni down? We didn't even go to the We're like, yeah, we're so bummed. We just wanted to be on the news. So the news media zoomed on all four of us and we're there and we're talking. I don't even know what we said. Just how disappointed we are that they're closing our ice arena down. It was right there on High Street, man. I remember the Muni. Remember the Muni, tiny guys? And uh, it was, so we were like, yeah, we said that. We walked away. Got home later that evening and uh, walked in the door, and Mom said, hey, Eddie. I said, hey, Mama. She said, uh, are you been, have you been hanging around so-and-so? I was like, no. I'm, no, you said not to, and I haven't been hanging. She said, well, funny thing today, watching Channel 4 News. I could have swore I saw you standing right next to so-and-so, next to so-and-so. How many know your sin will find you out? I said your sin will find you out. And that is the truth for someone to know today. The truth will find you out. But mama didn't have to catch me on news all the time. She just found out and would see because I would act like, we act like people that we hang around with. Jesus changed history forever. He was whether if you people are atheists who don't even believe in God, they would have to admit and see that Jesus still changed history. He was just, uh, Jesus was the son of God. He, that's why he was able to change. And so he changed history. So he says for us to hang around with him so that we can be with him. And the reason why Jesus was able to bring such power and change was because he had authority. Everybody say Authority. I want to talk to you today about the authority that you have as a Christian. You need to realize that we as disciples have authority. Now, I needed to make a distinction last week between disciples and church people. How many know what I'm talking about? There is a difference between a church person and a disciple. You may be coming to church because you hear about it or you like it. Something's happened in your life. It brings people to church. But then there has to be a transition Sooner or later where you start not just coming to church, but you start becoming the church. You, you don't just believe that there is a Jesus, you start knowing there is a Jesus. You don't just start underlining scripture, you start living scripture. You don't just say, yeah, I know, I believe in God, you start saying, I know God. What's happening? You're moving from a church person to a disciple. A disciple means, and the definition of it means a student, a follower, a disciplined one. One of our life groups is fan or follower. We, ha- we are offering this summer. I, had that, I, I offered that at my house a couple of years ago, our first year of having life groups. And we talked about, are you a fan or a follower? And I can just tell you the testimonies that we heard. People's lives were changed even in that, during that period of that life group that are still serving God today. And has just totally catapulted them. By the way, speaking of being catapulted, I mean, oh, our kids were catapulted and changed by the power of God this week at summer camp. Come on, can we give God some praise for summer camp? How many went to summer camp? Is anybody here that went to, how many your kids went to summer camp? How many parents here? Amen. They were, their lives were changed at summer camp. It's amazing what God can do in a week of our life that we just set aside to be with God. I was so blessed to see, I got some text messages from some other pastors up there that was with our kids, took a picture, sent it to me, 
And I said, man, that's so awesome. And I saw the videos on uh, all over social media, uh, 300 plus kids up there at Camp Fahola for a week to just not just ride go-karts and water balloons and all that crazy stuff, but every night they have a spirit encounter with uh, an encounter with the Holy Spirit, just spirit-filled services. The people are filled with the Holy Spirit, call to ministry. Lives are changed at summer camp. And that was junior high last week, senior high is next week, the family camp. I mean, we got all kind of camps. You guys know all about it, man. I recommend get your kids involved in those camps. They are just amazing. Got the VBS coming up, but these are opportunities for God to transform and change change a heart. But I want to focus on verse 15 for just a few minutes this morning. And as we've seen that Jesus, first of all, he did what? He called his disciples to be with him. Hopefully you've been spending time with him this week. Hopefully summer doesn't get away from you and you you start getting too busy for being with him. Let me tell you this, you're never going to have time to be with him. You have got to make time to be with him. Amen. Come on, somebody. You've got to learn to do this. So that is the number one key to being a disciple is being with him, making time. It might be 10 hours, three hours, but you've got to have time. That's the number one thing he did. He said, I called you. I've been praying all night, and I picked you, and this is what I want you to do. Just be with me. Just hang around with me because the more you hang around with me, the more you are with me, the more you become like me. The things that I like, you soon start to like. The things I hate and dislike, you will dislike and you will hate. Well, I I remember seeing that happening in my life. It's amazing. It's amazing how God can make you hate the things you used to love and love the things you used to hate. Come on, somebody. Isn't that amazing? How does that happen? I'm going to get to it here in just a minute. But verse 15, I want you to see that word power, as I made you say and, and told you about it. It says, and while they were with Jesus, watch this, he gave them power to do the work of the ministry. That word power is not the same Greek word power as us Pentecostals know as the Holy Ghost power. That Holy Ghost power that you will receive is a Greek word dunamis, where we get the English word dynamite. So the Bible teaches that when you and I become disciples of Christ, when we want, allow God access to every area of our heart, and where he, not, he doesn't become just the Amazon man, remember last week, but we actually invite him in and he, he comes into every room. When that happens, watch this, he gives us power to live for him, power to, to do all kinds of things in our life, power. That's the Greek word dunamis. But we need to realize something here that is very important. This is the Greek word that he says, as you hang around me, watch this, please get this. As you hang around me, he said, I'm going to give you this power. And Jesus spoke Greek. He didn't speak, or Aramaic, he didn't speak English. He used the Greek word, uh, put that up there, that Greek word, I don't, excusia. He said, I will give you excusia as you hang around with me. You need to know this. This is important. What does that mean? That means the right or the authority. So let's put it together. Jesus is saying here, I'm going to give you power, but before I give you the power, I got to give you the authority to use the power. It's one thing to have power. It's another thing to have the authority or the ability to use that power. I can't use dynamite. I have to, you got to have a license. You got to have the authority to use dynamite. 
you got to have the right to use dynamite. And I think there's a lot of Christians today that are trying to use the name Jesus, trying to use the power of the Holy Spirit, but they haven't been spending time with Jesus to get the authority to use the power. I ain't getting no help at 1130. I know it's summer. No, the lights are down. It's keeping the heat down. And it, don't fall asleep. I won't let you fall asleep when I preach, baby. If you fall asleep when I'm preaching, you are tired. <laughs> we have pregnant women that said their babies came out. They just, and they heard the message at church. They, usually you take babies out when I get going. Some of these babies, they like it to sit in the church when I'm preaching because they're used to hearing me all the when I was pregnant. Amen. That's an anointed baby. No. But once you see that, that's powerful. You've heard the scripture that Jesus came to his own, but his own received him not. But to them that received him, to them he gave the right to become the children of God. Let's break that verse down real quick. It says, and he came to his own. This is John 1.11. He came to his own, but his own received him not. He came to one group of people, and they were like, Jesus, I ain't got time for you. I don't have time for that. And they rejected Jesus. But those that received him... now. Again, you got to learn a bit of understanding here. The word receive there means to, to take in, to inhale. Those that inhale Jesus, to take Jesus in to them, he gave not the dynamite, he gave them the authority to use the dynamite. To those that what? Receive him. Those that take him in. Those that inhale Back in the, when I got saved in the late 90s, I used to go around when Bill Clinton was on the news. And, and I used to tell this guy in the back room, he used to go, I, I said, man, my life has been changed. And I gave my life to Jesus. And he's like, oh, yeah. He goes, man, I go to church. My mom has been making me go to church all my life, you know. And, I, and, and he goes, I know what you mean. And I says, yeah, but I, I was made to go to church. I went to church too, but uh, I, it never changed my life until I really begin to get God into my life. And he listened to me. I says, yeah, a lot of people do the Bill Clinton when they go to church. They go to church, but they don't inhale. Y'all remember what I'm talking about? And at the time, everybody was in the back room just started cracking up. Oh, that's the funniest thing ever, man. And I, but it's true. You can know all about Jesus, but here this scripture says to those that will inhale. Everybody, everybody inhale right now. Everybody breathe that. You see that when you breathe? It took time to do that. It, you inhale Jesus. That's what that scripture means. But to those that will inhale him, take time to breathe him in. What does David write in the Psalms? He says, you are the air I breathe. I, I, I stand in the presence of God, and we sing that song, you are the air I breathe. The, the, the Shekinah glory is a tradition in the, in the Jewish world where they would use to describe when the glory cloud would show up in a church. When his presence shows up in a tangible way when you can see it, that's called Shekinah. That's, that, that's the glory. And they believe that as he was in that room, like he filled the temple in Solomon's day, that you can literally breathe in his presence. Wouldn't that be awesome to be able to breathe in the very presence of God? You would never need an asthma spray the rest of your life. But I'm telling you, in the spirit, when you spend time with God, that's exactly what you're doing. 
You're breathing in the presence of God. You, but you got to slow down and you got to concentrate and give God your T-I-M-E, your time. And you got to say, here, God, I'm going to make you a priority and I'm going I'm to listen to you. And when God begins to get into your life and when he begins to get closer like that, he then gives you the authority to change your life. So i got one point, one and only point today, and this is this. When we make God our priority, he gives us his authority. When, he, when we make God a priority, he will give us his authority. What does the scripture say in James? You draw near to God, and I will draw near to you. That's what the scripture says. He says, as you draw near to me, I will draw near to you. When God begins to get into our life, when you begin to breathe in the presence of God, you begin to walk in that authority. Listen, it will begin to change. It will begin to, you'll see a shift in the way you live for him. I begin to make him a priority in my life. I begin to change some things in my behavior. I begin, to, I begin to change some things in my lifestyle. I begin to set standards in my life. I, I no longer did these things, and I started doing these things. Come on, somebody. I started to pay attention to the music. I listened to my entertainment, places that I went to. I begin to pray a little bit more. I, I, I begin to watch how God began to change my heart because it's all about the heart i mean god uses many different things to change our heart he he uses sometimes trials in our lives to get us to get closer to god why because he wants to change our heart so he will allow things to happen and many people are experiencing a lot of trials in our lives even right now in our season of time but he he will I've learned that he will allow that to happen because he's trying to draw you to yourself. You know what other things that he uses to to really uh, change our heart is when you listen to testimonies and when you listen to people's stories. We we connect with people's stories. On Wednesday night a few weeks ago we had some people share their stories. I thought it was amazing. It was, it was so awesome to hear people stand up here and to tell their stories of how God changed their life. I love that. What's your story? When I was going to the Brownsville Revival when we first got saved, every night they were having people in the baptism tank and they would tell their stories and how they come off of drugs and come off of all these addictions in their lives and many tried suicide and, and all kinds of problems. They had rich business people that were not into drugs or anything. They just were workaholics and, and their God was their money and their identity was in their money and, and that was a way for them to hide, a way for them to, to avoid uh, all their responsibilities. Because Not that they were irresponsible, they were afraid and, and, so, they were, and so their identity became, they became workaholics. And we can get, how many know you can get caught up into all kinds of problems? And night after night, I would sit and watch them tell their story and get baptized, and God would just change their life, and they were talking. I mean, I remember sitting there, and I hear Steve Hill come out and preach about how he was addicted to heroin, and, and, and he was shooting up, and he was living on the streets, and he would have tears coming down his face, and there'd be thousands of people in that church lining up outside to get in. And he would just, to hear a hero, an ex-heroin addict talk about how he was set free by the power of God. What was that? He had authority. 
He, he preached. With the, when Jesus preached, they said that they would leave from Jesus preaching and they would say to one another, who is this rabbi? He's not like the Pharisees for he teaches as one having what? Authority. Can I tell you, you can have authority, but as you spend time with Jesus is the only way you get it. Come on, give God some praise for that. He'll use, he'll use all kinds of things to get. He could be using what you're going through right now in your life. And it's a setup. I mean, oh, God can set you up. When ministry gets tough, I sometimes say, God, you set me up into this. I still tell my wife, honey, God tricked us into this. Trick, it just, just sets up. God just sets you up. He'll use, he'll use your children a lot of times to bring you closer to God. When I, we started having children, our two girls were born back to back. When Felicia was born, I said, okay, I better straighten up. I got a little girl. Oh, my gosh. What is this? I almost named her Manna for what is this? We had no girls in our family, and Felicia was the first. So I was like, man, what is this? We, and he had no idea how to be a dad to a girl. And then, so I said, I'm going to straighten up. And that straightened up for a little bit. And then went right back to my ways because I didn't have the authority to use the power to change. Miranda came along. I said, okay, God, this is it. I'm going to really straighten up this time. I tried straighten up, lasted a week, weekend, two days, and right back at it. Why I had no authority to use the power. And someone started to invite my family to church, and I said, well, we're not really ready to go yet. And they said, can I get your daughters? And we started. I said, yeah, they'd come pick Felicia and Miranda up, take her to church, take them to their church every Sunday. And they would come home, though. And when they would come home, they would sing these little church songs. They had no idea when they're singing these little church songs and they're playing with their little oven-baked, whatever, toys, that the Holy Spirit was using those songs to convict me in the living room. They had no idea that I'm sitting there. I'm saying, I wish they would shut up with all that Jesus talk. They had no idea, but that's God saying, I'm just trying to get you. I'm just trying to get you. And I got a plan for your life. I got a purpose for you being on planet Earth. It's so much better than what you got. It's so much better than what you got. If you only knew how good it was. If you only knew how good it was. And God, God used my daughters. And I finally said, man, I better straighten up because these girls are getting big. And they need a daddy. Let me tell you, this is our role in life, men. It's to not just take our, not to just send our kids to church, but take our kids to church. Our, our role as men is to be disciples of Christ. I love it what our men's guy said a few weeks ago. You, you realize that if all the men would become disciples of Christ, the sex trade would shut their doors and end. Think of that. We could end the sex trade as we know it in our world. That's kidnapping these little baby girls and putting them into slavery and getting them addicted to heroin and drugs just for one customer because it's legal in some countries. That's happening right now as I preach to you. It is a real thing, and we know about it, but it's just like, oh, it's, it's starting to hit here. It's been here. It's been here. It would be obliviated if simply of us men would open our eyes and become disciples of Christ. And I'm just saying, man, what a difference we can make. What a difference we can make. And that compelled me. My daughters compelled me to start coming to church. And as I started coming to church, I started listening more to God. and started He started changing my life. Then I started setting these standards in my life. And I started to do all of these things. And all of a sudden, I started to get the authority now to use the power. But let me show you what happens here real quick if we don't have the authority to use the power. 
I love the Bible because it don't just tell us what we need to do. It also shows, shows us what not to do. How many know we got people in our life that you need to imitate and you need to say, that's what I need to do? How many know you also got people in your life where you can learn from and say, that's what I don't want to do? Come on, somebody. Your Bible says in Proverbs that I went by the house of the sluggard and I saw the weeds growing up and the gutters hanging down and a tree growing up in the gutter and the house was encapsulated and I thought and I, want, and I, pondered, I pondered on this and I gained wisdom. You see that? You can learn from some people's mistakes, and you can actually learn from your own mistakes. And if you learn from your own mistakes, then that's the whole point of having a mistake. But if you don't learn from that mistake, guess what? You're going to repeat that mistake. Come on. Come on, somebody. Watch this. In the Bible, in Acts chapter 19, a revival broke out. People were getting saved. Paul was, was using the power of the Holy Spirit, and he was miracles were happening. And then all of a sudden, we find this in verse 13. It says, there were some Jews who went around driving out evil spirits, uh, tried to invoke, watch this, they tried to invoke or use the name of the Lord Jesus over those who were demon-possessed. They would say, in the name of the Jesus whom Paul preaches, I command you to come out. Seven sons of Sceva, the Jewish priest, they were doing this. One day, the evil spirit answered them. Imagine that scene. Jesus, I know. Should I do it in a demon voice? This is a real thing, people. They, 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 you know, some people got just enough anointing to stir up the devil and make him mad. Please get what I just said. And that's what they did. They looked at him and said, Jesus, I know. And Paul, I know about him. But who are you? Who are you using the name of Jesus who you don't know Jesus. How many knows that you can't have the benefits of Jesus without being with Jesus? Oh, help me, Lord. Watch this. Then the man, one man, who had the evil spirit, jumped on all seven of them and overpowered them. Don't you see that? Overpowered them. He gave them such a beating that they ran out of the house naked and bleeding. What's the point? No priority, no power. We don't make G and listen, we as Christians, if we don't make God a priority in our lives, you are going to get overpowered by the devil. You're going to get overpowered by your flesh. You're going to get overpowered by the world. You will get, we will simply get overpowered. You imagine that conversation? They were, they, this was a priest who had seven sons, preacher's kids, been in church, seen how church was done, knew all about church, went out there and tried to use the name of Jesus. Because you got people like this. You got users of God and lovers of God. And I realized that you can't be a user of God until you become a lover of God. I used to be a, a user of God. God, if you get me out of this one. God, if you get me out of this one. A lot of times he will get us in those situations so that we will call on the name of the Lord. But those instances are meant to happen in our lives so we transition over to becoming a lover of God. You get overpowered by the world. You try to speak about, they tried to speak about truths that they themselves were not living out. 
So here, here's the point. I, I got to, as a pastor, I got to think. I did this as a parent with my daughters getting older. I did it as a youth pastor. And this is what I did. I asked myself, how can I get them to make God a priority? That, that, that's really, Moses spent 40 years of his life. He had a burning bush experience. So he spent 40 years of his life trying to get Israel to have a burning bush experience. Isn't that Christianity? Isn't that parenting as a Christian? You had God change your life. So you spend your whole life trying to get your kids to have that same experience. He even took him, Moses even took him back to the very spot where he saw the burning bush. Right now our kids is probably like, man, if I could take you all to camp and, and bring you, I would take you, I would take you to this spot right here. This is the spot where I encountered God that night. This is the spot where God encountered my life. I can take you through my life in 22 years. And I would start in Melvindale, and I'd take all of you down, 17386 Claran Street, down in the basement, behind the furnace, and I would take you to that little spot, and I would say, this is the spot when I was reading Smith Wigglesworth's biography that God put into me a desire to pray, and I made me a little board and put a piece of carpet on it so my knees wouldn't get hurt, and, and I would, because I read that he had camel knees, they called them, because his knees were so callous, because he spent so much time on his knees in prayer, and when I read that, it just ignited a passion and a hunger in me for the prayer. So I made me a little prayer room, and I can tell you that down in that furnace room in Melvindale, that God began to move, and, and he just showed up in there and changed my whole life. Amen? Come on, yeah, give me praise. I will take you on, on a journey over and over and over again on all of these things. And I want to tell you more about that than I can then me sit up here and tell you how you need to modify your behavior, how you need to change this. You know, you don't need to listen to this. You shouldn't go around them. I understand that. That there is a there is some patterns we need to put in place, but sometimes we have it backwards in church. Sometimes you need to know this rules without relationship equals rebellion. So what you have to do as parents, what we have to do is to get our kids to fall in love with Jesus. we got to get them to want to spend time with Jesus. we got to get them to see the, the benefits of being with Jesus. You know, sh tell them, share your testimonies with them. You can be going through uh, living hell on earth, but you sit there and tell your kids that I'm still going to uh, go after God because I still got peace. Somehow I I'm not losing my mind. You need to tell them about what God is doing in your life. And then they'll, they'll make the connection. The one thing that the disciples asked Jesus to teach them wasn't to teach us how to walk on water. They said, Jesus, teach us to pray. Yes. Why? Because they connected the link to the source of his power was his prayer life. And we would just spend more time on getting people, encouraging them to, to get excited about the benefits of serving God. You won't want all that other stuff. And that's what happened in this story. Let's keep reading. Then we're going to start closing. It says this. Now, when this became known to the Jews and the Greeks living in Ephesus, they were all seized with fear. Everyone see that? And the name of the Lord Jesus was held in what? High honor. Many of those who believed, what does it say? Now came. Very important. Now came openly. 
and confess what they had done. A number who practiced sorcery brought their scrolls together and burned them publicly. When they calculated the value of the scrolls, the total came to 50,000 drachmas. One drachma was a day's wage. This was 50,000. This was big money. This was big money. They added up the value of the books that they got rid of. And what, look what happened. In this way, the word of the Lord Jesus spread widely and grew in power. But I want you to see what happened first. They didn't burn those books first. First, they had the fear of the Lord in their heart. And they began to honor the name of the Lord. And then they begin to get rid of some things in our life. So here's the point. Heart transformation always produces behavior modification. That's, that's what you see in this story. You had them, them boys trying to use the name of Jesus, and it backfired on them. It didn't work because the name of Jesus isn't a secret magical recipe. You can't, you can't just use the name of Jesus. That demon said, Jesus, I know. Paul, I know. But who are you? Could you imagine that? That thing in the corner. I don't know how it look, man. I'm telling you. I mean, those spirits are real. I mean, the spirit world is more real than you realize. But here is what I want you to see. Is that as you spend time with Jesus, he begins to transform your heart. Watch this. Now that your heart is transformed, you start to make him a priority in your life. Now you start setting standards in your life. They got rid of some stuff in life. That was expensive stuff. I can tell you when I got saved, I went through my music. I went through my entertainment. I went through my basement. I got rid of all the little drugs and alcohol stashed up everywhere. I got rid of anything that would offend Jesus, anything that would awaken darkness in me, anything that would lead me away from the Lord. But I did it once my heart was being transformed. When my heart, it goes together. When your heart is being transformed, your behavior will, be, will change. Watch this. Then I learned how to use my authority. And here's what I want to end on this. You and I have got authority in the name of Jesus. Do you realize that? We went through all kinds of problems when we got first when I got saved, it seemed like God was answering every prayer I prayed. I got raises at work. I got four raises in one quarter at work. Everything was just everything I touched was just turning to gold. God's favor was in our life. How many said seasons like that? It was just like amazing. Sister Lambert used to say, ask for the moon when you're in that season. <laughs> but how many know that that don't last forever? Man, all of a sudden, everything hit us. I, I took this family into our home to live with us. One of my best friends, I, I put him in life challenge to get his life straightened out and clean and sober. And I took in his wife, little two daughters, and a little baby. And I remember bringing them into our house and loving on them. They were a part of our home. And man, I tell you what, everything just began to go wrong when we did that. And I couldn't understand it. The car broke down. Job broke down. I got stuck in the route in Toledo, Ohio, which was making no money. I was being driving all these miles. Everything was going wrong. Bless her heart, she had this little baby that just would not stop crying. How many know I love little babies, but how many know a crying baby is tough? And um, this little baby, and bless her heart, she tried her best. She would. She would go into the back bedroom. She would go. She tried everything, and that little baby just wouldn't cry. I had to get up at 3.30 in the morning and work, and that baby's up 1 o'clock in the morning just crying. I mean, my car's breaking. I remember Thanksgiving morning. We got up. I mean, you know, I love Thanksgiving. My furnace broke. <clears throat> Thanksgiving day. Everything we seem to do begin to go wrong. How many's ever had that kind of season? And I remember I said, God, 
What are you doing to me? What, what's going on? And he said, are you just going to pout about it? Or are you going to take authority over it? That's what he said to me. He said, are you going to sit here and just say, oh, this is just too hard. The furnace broke. God, I even took in this little family. I did such a good deed. Aren't I religious? We, 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 we about John entitlement mentality sometimes. And in Matthew chapter 11, Jesus said about John the Baptist, John the Baptist was a man on fire. When he saw Jesus, he said, Behold the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. That's John the Baptist. But in Matthew 11, he's in jail. Everything was going wrong in his life. He sends a letter to Jesus and he says, Are you still the Messiah or should I be looking for another? Can I tell you, don't be so haughty in your faith, friends. There will be a trial and a testing that will come that can shake you to your core. The greatest man in the Bible wrote that message to Jesus. Can you imagine? This is John, the boss. And he says, are you the Messiah? Or should we be looking for another? And I love Jesus. He says, you go tell John. <laughs> you go tell John I want to tell you, you don't be, You're not believing for nothing I don't care what you've lost What you're going through I don't care Everybody needs to hear it I don't care what you're suffering How you're feeling If you've made Jesus your Lord You, ain't gave, you haven't given up nothing That you need to regret He said you go tell John That it's just as good As he thought it was Tell him that I'm opening up blinded eyes. Tell him that I'm walking on water. Tell him the dead are coming back to life. Tell him he ain't seen nothing yet. Then he says this, and this is what God showed me in the middle of my pity party. How many know when you have a pity party? How many realize that nobody comes to your pity party? So now you have another bitter party. Your pity party turns to a bitter party. When you don't invite Jesus Someone needs to tweet that before I forget that I looked up in that scripture I'm reading that about John I'm in the middle of my pity party God that baby won't stop crying Please in Jesus name Do something My furnace is broke God I ain't got no money Everything's going wrong And I read that verse Right after Jesus said that about John the Baptist He said this one verse that'll change your life He said the kingdom of God suffers violence But the violent ones will take it by force did you feel that? That changed my life forever. You see, you got to get in the Word, people. You got to get in the Word. Your answer is in that Bible. I can't give you all, you ain't, no matter how many videos you watch and how many preachers you are out there, God can use them, but there's nothing like you sitting down, opening up your Bible, having your little cup of coffee, because God loves coffee, and, and, just, and just get along with God, and watch and say, God, speak to me. God, you see where I'm at. You know where I'm your child. Speak to me. I dare you to do that. And he showed me, he said, the kingdom of God, and let me break that down in case you don't understand that verse, because I had to study it. And it says the kingdom of God, which is inside of you, that's the God in you. That's the, all the things that, that encompasses Christianity and God as you know it. It's called the kingdom of God. It's in you. And Jesus says it suffers violence. Doesn't it make you feel good? In other words, the birthmark of a believer is a bullseye. I hope you're getting it. I know everybody's not here today, but this is some good stuff. This is what changed me. 25 years old. I was about 27 years old at this time. So cocky, cocky and healthy and everything's going right. You need more faith. I was that guy. You need more faith. You need to be living right. Get the sin out your life. That was me. 
And then everything began to fall apart. And I'm like, God, what am I talking about? John didn't have no sin in his life. He says, no, it's not the sin. It may be a sin. If it's a sin, get it out of your life, period. Move on. And then he says this. No, no, what the problem is is you've got the kingdom of God in you and the enemy's attacking you. But here's the other part of that verse. But the violent ones will take it by force. So, Eddie, dry your eye. Get up. Get out there. Get a hold of your wife. Join hands and pray and take authority over this thing. So I went out there and I said, God, I got... Tia, my wife, and me, we grabbed our hands, and I said, God, I don't know if this is a season that we're in, because you can't pray a season away. That's another message for another time. So if it is a season that I'm supposed to go through, I pray you give me the strength and the grace to endure it. Otherwise, I take authority over this devil from the pit of hell. I bind you in the name of Jesus. Let your hands off my money, off my marriage, off my home, off my health. Give me my peace back. Come on, give me my peace back. Give me my joy back. Give me my love back. Give me my passion back. What am I doing? I'm walking in that authority. I'm walking in that authority. Come on, somebody needs to walk in that authority. You need to learn to walk in that authority. Walk in that authority. Your kid's driving you nuts. Take authority over that devil. Not your kid. Devil in your kid. Seriously. You know how long my mama's prayed for me? Out there running around southwest Detroit thinking I was minister society and in the bloods. Stupid. Listening to Eminem thinking I'm giving a concert. I wasn't giving a concert. I was driving a hoopty I couldn't even afford. Had broke as a joke. We get the craziest things in our minds. You ever see that one? This is how you think you look. (laughs) This is how you really look. I'm just trying to help somebody. Truth to help us sometimes. We could get caught up in in our culture today. It's insane. Unplug. Get along with God. And say, hey, man, I don't need 50 likes on this Instagram. I don't need 100 likes. I just need you. I just need you. Come on. I just need you. And as you begin to spend time in his presence, you'll find that anointing begin to settle in down there. And you're like, oh, hey, 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 you can't buy this at the dollar store, at the any store, baby. You can't buy the anointing of God. Hear me. You cannot buy, you cannot, uh, uh, buy or purchase the presence of God, and you can't buy the authority of God. It only comes from spending time in his presence. And that's why Jesus said, come on, boys. I've been up all night praying for you, and now this is your big mission in life. Come and hang out with me. Oh, this is good. I'm trying to end it. And as you hang around with me, he even said one time, Peter, I'm giving you the keys of the kingdom. And I would add, don't mess it up, boy. Because <laughs> Peter almost messed it up. But when he got filled with the power of God, it changed everything. Why? Because now he had the authority of God and the power of God. That's what a disciple of Christ is all meant to be. Come on, let's stand to our feet right now. I just need you. He changes us. From the inside out, I could sit here and tell you all the stories. 2017 was the most recent year that was one of the worst years of my life. We ended up getting sick. I got this pneumonia. My uncle got pneumonia. My mom got pneumonia. We were just sick everywhere. They couldn't get it out. I ended up going to the hospital. I needed surgery. I just left going full-time from a job, making a lot of money, Blue Cross, Blue Shield. 
I came here as your pastor, and you, I'm doing well financially. You guys have taken care of me and helped me, but I didn't have that insurance. I don't have the Blue Cross Blue Shield no more. Slapping that card down, baby, that's a blessing. I'm living by faith. I was on a ninth floor, baby, living by faith. In my 40s in heaven, this happened to me. While I'm in there, I'll go down for an MRI. Someone comes in my room and steals my brand-new iPhone and my iPad. They're talking, we don't know what's causing this pneumonia. I just got to tell you, don't be afraid, but it might be cancer. Now, don't ever say that in a sentence, okay, first of all. And I'm sitting there thinking, what is happening? The bill for that surgery is $130,000. But you know what? God was with me all the way through that. I woke up one night, 2 o'clock in the morning. You can't sleep in a hospital. Every two hours they come check vitals. How many know that? 2 o'clock in the morning they come in and I'm just sitting there. I look up and there's this young girl. She was a young girl from my old neighborhood who's a nurse. And she's sitting there and she's got a rag and she's putting it in cold water. She goes, I heard you were a man of God. And she said, I grew up in the church. And she named the church. I knew who she was. She just began to put that cold rag on my head. I was sick. I could do medicine. She said, you need, she went and got me some crackers. God was there with me. I began to minister to her. They'd come into my room all hours of the night. Joseph ministered in the prison. Yeah. Yeah. See, you can't minister in your prison unless you have an anointing and the authority. You'll have a pity party in your prison. So much to hear what I'm telling you. Got out of that. Out of that, God brought me through the surgery. It's amazing. Get home, my sewer line breaks. $7,000 to dig up your backyard and fix it. This ain't supposed to happen. God, I just obeyed you and I turned down that job at management, making $72,000 an hour, company car, company, all this. and become this pastor in Belleville. I mean, come on, God, what's up? I'm in the hospital. I got surgery. My sewer's broke. Really? How many's ever been there? God said, let, let me tell you something. I mean, oh, God never changes his mind. He said, I'm not going to add another scripture in there, Eddie. Let me take you back over. You might have heard of it. Matthew 11. <laughs> there I go again. Kingdom of God suffers violence. But the violent ones take it by far. I mean, there's no age limit on that. You got to do the same thing as you did as a baby Christian as you do 20 years later. I said, come on, baby. We're going to pray and take authority over this thing in the name of Jesus. I'm, I'm laying in that recovery room. He comes in and he goes, your test results came back. You got sugar diabetes. I said, I ain't got no sugar diabetes. I love cherry pie. Get the devil. It's a lie. Get up out of my house. He said, no, no, no. I said, is it the medicine? Because medicine can make your numbers go up. He said, no, that's not the kind of numbers we're seeing. You have sugar diabetes. Tested it four times. I put my hand on my side and I said, in the name of Jesus. I just began to take authority. I said, God, I don't know what all this means, but I'm taking authority over it. In the name of Jesus. He tested it again. He came back. He said, man, your numbers are perfect. I got out of the hospital, that $130,000 bill dropped it all the way down to a payable amount. I'm in no debt. All my bills are paid. They went to go work on my backyard. I find out I was able to get into this coverage. It was all covered. I had to pay $120, and they fixed it all the rest. How many's going through something right now? Seriously, because we're going to take authority over it right now in Jesus' name. 
if you got if you are going through something and you need to take authority over right now, I want you to lift your hand up right now and lift your hand up right now. Amen. Someone else, go near them. You may have your hand up too because everybody here got their hand up. We did it in the first service. Do it again now. There's a different spirit in here, though, I'm telling you. Go, go by someone with your hand up, and I want you to begin to pray for them. If you find someone next to you with their hand up, put your hand on them. Maybe your hands are up already, both of you. This is what we're going to do. We're going to take authority over your problem. You're going to take authority over your problem right now in Jesus' name. This works. You're going to take authority over it right now in Jesus' name. And every time you go through a battle, you're going to do this. I'm telling you, it works. Right now, in the name of Jesus, we take authority right now over the power of the enemy. Go ahead, say that right now. Begin to pray. Begin to pray. Take authority. You don't even need to know what it is. Just in the name of Jesus, I take authority right now over every attack of the enemy. Right now, in the name of Jesus, every attack of the enemy, we take authority over the attacks of the enemy in Jesus' name. Loose them and let them go. Jesus' name, come on, pray. Take authority. Take authority. Coming down in Jesus' name. We break it in Jesus' name. We break it in Jesus' name. We take authority over it right now. Confusion's got to go. Confusion's got to go. Confusion's got to go. Thanks for listening. We trust that God has spoken to you through today's message. If you would like to know more about our church or if you would like to help support the ministry, please go to www.rol-ag.org. River of Life Assembly of God, a church of His presence, His promises, and all people.